Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. Big one in week seven, folks. Another edition of Kevin's Corner. I'm Kevin Bowen back. Joey Molinaro across the way. Yeah, this is, uh, I don't know, man. This is just one of those week seven games that have a little bit more juice than most. This is not your Colts. Is it even week seven? It might be week. Yeah. Yeah, it's week seven. Yeah, it, 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 mm-hmm. it is week seven. Uh, last year was Colts Bills in week seven. That doesn't really ring the bell quite like uh Colts and Texans and I'm excited man maybe she's coming back from the bye week or um just watching the divisional team seeing Deshaun Watson in person knowing that these two teams are the two teams I think to beat in the AFC South this season uh I can't wait for Sunday and you mentioned the Bills game that's that started their their run Great right point. and they're yeah. what one in one in five uh going into that one yeah and 37 to 5 winners over Derek Anderson and company and like you said that you know, it, it is crazy going back to the week four meeting last year between these two teams, how people were talking about Bill O'Brien losing his job. Mm-hmm. The Colts were one and two, obviously the fourth and four decision by Frank Reich, which um, I will talk about for 23 seconds because no one wants to talk about it anymore. The decision, I don't have a problem with. One thing, it was just, it was the play call. It was like, wait, you're going to throw the ball to Chester Rogers on a three-step drop of the game on the line? Yeah. Um, and then you're one and five, and then you go on this incredible run to end the year. You win two games in Houston in December, in January. Uh, I don't think anyone's talking about Bill O'Brien's job being in question anymore. This Houston offense seems to be one of the more explosive in the league. And so many people have talked to me about, man, look at the next five games. Chance to go five and zero. Oh, chance to go four and one. The record matters, I guess. Certainly it does, you know, obviously 5-0 and is better than 3-2 and and, like, things like that. But beating the Texans is the most important part of this next five weeks for the Colts. Like, I, it, it's almost, maybe the math is totally wrong on this, but you would almost rather go 3-2 and with a win over the Texans than go 4-1 and with a loss to the Texans. No, I believe that. You know, and I'm sure there's some analytics people that will totally say that I'm an idiot for that, but, like, that's just kind of how I believe because when you look at this season and when you play the Texans again, you got to have at least a split to win this division, like in all likelihood. You you have to at least split this season series to win the division. And if you lose on Sunday, now you've put all the pressure on the short week Thursday night game down there in, in Houston. Yep. And so I think that's why it's such a monumental game. And, you know, we, we talked about it on uh, Tuesday's podcast. Joey, the Colts right now sit outside of the playoff picture. They win on Sunday, and Baltimore loses. They could climb all the way up to number two. It, it's just, it, the, and part of it is how you're jumbled this early in the season, but that's how I think closely compacted this conference is, where, you know, depending on what happens with the Chiefs tonight as they travel to Denver, it's just a, it, it's a wild AFC outside of New England. I feel like in the NFC, there's about four or five teams that, you kind of throw in there and say, okay, I wouldn't be shocked if they represented this conference in the Super Bowl. The AFC doesn't have that, 
but they have a lot of teams in the mix right now that say, hey, <laughs> we could reach the midway point of the season and be in position to have a bye, which is not something I think anyone thought for the Colts at the start of the year. And it feels kind of tailor-made for one of those years of you get into January and then all of a sudden the five or six seed or the four seed gets hot and, and exactly. somehow can you know, go on a run and beat a New England and then there you go. And the Colts very well could be one of those teams. Yeah. I mean, right now, Baltimore – Kansas City, um, Houston, the Colts, Buffalo. Um, you can think about what you want to think about any of those teams. I, I'm certainly am not very high on all of those teams, but you know, you imagine you know Houston as a wild card team, or if Oakland somehow wins the division and you get a ten and six Kansas City team as a wild wow. card. I yeah. mean, just just kind of crazy things like that that will all play itself out. But um, yeah, I mean, I I, I cannot stress it enough for week seven. The 1-0 mantra is out the window this week. This game means more than just 1-0 week in and week out. And a nice little bonus, Kevin, is that uh, it's going to be 71 and sunny for a high on Sunday afternoon. We going roof open? I was going to ask. Depends, wow. I guess, you probably, for Vinatieri, right, you want it to just be closed just to make sure. Boy, uh, that is a great debate. Um, you know, he's, he kicked well outside, you know, in, in Kansas City uh, the week before the bye, so... Man, if you're going to have the roof open, <laughs> this seems like the perfect fall afternoon to have it. So, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's going to be great. Get out there early Sunday morning, have some drinks. Boom. Enjoy George Street, touch downtown, have at it. Um, yep. Yeah, okay. I, I'll be glued to Jim Mercer's Twitter account to see what the roof debate will be. All right, so today let's go over what we learned, what you learned this week, being out at the Colts Complex uh, on both sides of the ball before we hop into Twitter questions and obviously the Thursday keys of the game, prediction, everything like that. But starting with things you learned, Kevin, looking at coming off the Kansas City game defensively, the amount of man coverage that Matt Eberflus dialed up, is that going to be the same coming up on Sunday? What do we think about that? You know, it's a popular question we had on Tuesday's podcast, and we definitely have learned a little bit more um, over the last 48 hours. And I think one thing that Eberflus stressed to us when he met with the media on Tuesday was personnel dictates so much in how you – use the man coverage your own personnel certainly and also the opposing team's personnel and so when I look at Houston and in the one game they've really well take that back I guess that they that they've they've struggled a couple games offensively this season but the Carolina game was a game that they struggled Carolina played a lot of zone and I think you have to keep that in mind when you're game planning for Houston. And then also when you look at the Kansas City blueprint and you think that that's just going to be perfectly suitable for the Kansas City blueprint, it's different. For one, Houston is a much, much better run team than Kansas City. Mm -hmm. And when Kansas City runs it, you know, it, it's more of the misdirection, jet sweeps. You're bringing Hill, you're bringing Harmon. Um, you know, you're, you're trying to get those guys, I think, more to the perimeter. With Houston... I think it's a little bit more in between the tackles. And obviously the Colts had issues with that the first four weeks of the season. So I do think the Texans will test the Colts a little bit there. Secondly, Houston's just got better quality depth at the skill group, which is kind of crazy to say. But there was no Tyree Kill in the lineup. We've talked about the Sammy Watkins injury early in the game. You look at what Houston has. We know they have Hopkins. Kenny Stills practiced yesterday. We're taping this on Thursday morning. I believe Kenny Stills is a full participant in practice. So he could play on Sunday. 
We've talked about Kiki Kuti, top three names in the NFL, and also a guy that has had big games against the Colts last season as a rookie. And probably the most important ingredient to just complimenting DeAndre Hopkins, it's a Notre Dame guy, Will Fuller, mm-hmm. who did not play in the December meeting, did not play in the January meeting last year. And you go back to that fourth and – was it fourth and three that they got against Kansas City to win the game? The, the fourth and three clincher that at the two-minute warning for the Texans? It's like fourth and two, fourth and three. Something when they like stopped that. him? No, no, no. When, when Houston converted. They didn't go for the field goal. They decided to play for the win. They're up seven. Oh, in the first match, they were talking about the playoffs. No, no, no. I'm talking uh, Texans, Chiefs last week. Oh, Chiefs. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Texans, when they went for it late in that game, two-minute warning, I yes. think it was like a fourth. It, 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 it was it, like fourth and two. Fourth yeah. and short. Yeah. And they bunch Hopkins and Fuller together. And the Chiefs play press against Hopkins. He beats the press. And boom, you're able to get the first down. If that is, you know, trying to think of the Texans' wideouts they had last year. The kid from Ohio State, I feel like, was one of their wideouts, Braxton Miller. Um, they just had just <laughs> they just had a bunch of bums, to be honest with you, complimenting DeAndre Hopkins. So if you saw that, you know, stack formation on a fourth and two, you just bracket Hopkins and be like, all right, the ball is going to him. Whereas with Fuller, there's at least a little bit of pause of mm-hmm. like, hey, we should watch out for this guy, and you know he. He can stress you so much vertically. Um, so I still think you incorporate some band coverage, but I don't think it's going to be anywhere near the 73% that we saw um, because there's a risk to play in man, and the Colts are a little banged up in the secondary right now. We'll, we'll watch the injury situations on Pierre Desir and Malik Hooker and Kenny Moore the rest of the week, but those three, three guys did not practice on on a Wednesday. Um so I think that is something to definitely keep an eye on. We've talked about the return of Darius Leonard, Joey. You know, outside of Kansas City, I don't think there's an opponent on this schedule that you'd rather have Darius Miller back for than Houston. Mm-hmm. When Chris Ballard has changed, and he is probably all I'm not sure if he's altered a position group more in terms of what he wants than linebacker. And he keeps on using the phrase, run and strike, run and strike. And that phrase is, when you're playing the athletic dual threat quarterbacks, and they start to scramble, or they start to do their read option stuff, or they want to make plays with their feet, can a linebacker plant, run, and obviously strike, and wrap up that guy? Now, when Ballard has mentioned a lot of this, He's obviously thrown in Marcus Mariota into that group, which, um, you know, RIP to the Marcus Mariota era. But he obviously is talking about Deshaun Watson. And to a lesser degree, when you look at the AFC, he's talking about guys like Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. And no one does it in this league better than Watson from a dual threat standpoint. You could probably call Jackson maybe a better runner, although Deshaun Watson is so dynamic when he runs. He's very smooth. Makes yeah. It, everybody said, you know, it makes it look effortless. Rick Venturi has used the term eel this week. He's kind of slippery like that. Yeah. Okay. You know, taller guy. You know, he's not your 5'11 running quarterback. He's yeah. what, 6'4? I right, mean, he's a yeah. tall guy. And he's just, he's just sleek and slender and just kind of slippery. And there were games last year you can watch 
where Watson starts to scramble and he thinks he can get to a spot and Leonard cuts off that spot. There are all pro games last year from Darius Leonard where you pop in film against Houston and he makes those plays. So um, his presence, you know, I, I thought Frank Reich had a great quote earlier this week of like, the Houston offense has a lot of talented players and a lot of smart players. We need as many of those guys on our defense as we can get, and Leonard is one of those guys. Um, you know, is he a spy? I think that would be smart to use that, you know, especially on your third and mediums because Watson is so dynamic when he wants to run. And, and he's not just scrambling to scramble. Like, he still keeps his eyes down the field. Um, he is a better pure runner than Patrick Mahomes, you know, and, yes. I, and I think Frank Reich has alluded to that of like, if there's differences in this offense, it's um, the fact that Kansas City doesn't run the ball anywhere near as well as Houston runs it, and then Watson is just a better runner than Patrick Mahomes. The Colts are going to play all three linebackers, and by all three I mean Leonard, Walker, and Okariki. Matt Eberflus said that earlier this week. And I know I have always kind of been on the more pro Anthony Walker bandwagon of like, guys, you cannot outright bench him. Like, well, let's not get too enamored with the young rookie draft pick too soon. Right. But if this is a game, this is a game that I think Bobby Okariki does play a little bit more on the passing downs. Because again, going back to run and strike, when Ballard had that film session with us, he was so giddy about showing, I think it was a play against an Arizona State quarterback where Okariki on a third down broke from his zone drop, and boom, made a play, stopping that quarterback. And same thing with Ben Banigou and, to a lesser extent, EJ Speed. You know, he liked all of that with those linebackers. So um, I, I do think Okariki could play a bit on passing downs. Um, you know, EJ Speed as that Sam linebacker, I think he could definitely be in the mix there as well. Um So I guess those are the main keys I have for this team defensively. I know we talked a lot about Kamoko Turi and his loss. I've mentioned speed and how quickly he can get off the ball. I think something he he also does really well that you can't teach is he's got a bend. There's this bend aspect Mm -hmm. to his game where I'm talking to Ben Banigou yesterday in the locker room, and while if you look at the 40-yard dash times with Banigou and Turi, it's pretty similar. One thing you notice that's different is Ture is smaller, struggled a little bit with his weight his rookie season, which probably allows him to bend better. You look at Banigou, that dude is pretty stout in the lower body for a rookie. So he just yeah. I just don't think he matches totally the characteristics of what Ture has. Yes, he does bring more of a speed element than most on your roster, like Al-Kadeem Muhammad, who's another guy that we shouldn't write off either. Um so, yeah, man, it's it's something that I, I, I think your D-line has got to win. The Houston offensive line's a little bit banged up with Titus Howard. And when you're that talented, the skill positions, Houston, the Colts are banged up in the secondary. Your D-line absolutely has to win. A couple notes on the Houston offense that's been impressive to me. Lead the league in third down. Lead the league in red zone. That's really freaking good. Mm-hmm. So they've been unbelievable in those situational moments. Um, but man, the Colts did such a good job on Hopkins last year. Pierre Desir was commendable, more than commendable. Uh, the numbers on Hopkins from last year and those two two wins late in the season. Nine catches for sixty three total yards. Those are that's that's two games. I'm combining two games there. Nine catches 
for 63 yards on 20 targets. Take that. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if you could sign up for Hopkins having nine catches for 63 yards on Sunday, you'd probably take that. You know? Because it's like, what are those really doing? You know? Yeah. Okay, yeah, he's yeah. picking up a third and seven, but he's not making the game-changing play right. because for this defense, you're going to take, you know, dink and dunk, which nine catches for 63 yards is most of that. Uh, so, yeah, again, I, I can't stress enough that your D-line has got to win uh, because that's the biggest weakness. Houston's offensive line's been better. Watson hasn't been sacked on the last two games, but still, that is uh, the deficiency when you talk about this offense. Should be a lot of fun. Both uh, both squads got young stars on both sides of the ball there, and uh, should be good for the Colts' defense. Flipping over to the offense, though, Kevin, does the offense need a more vertical passing game moving forward? You know, I I think that's a popular question right now, Joey, moving forward. And, and I will say one thing that I guess can be said for the defense and the offense. I think ultimately every NFL team strives to do this, and that is can you beat teams multiple ways? Defensively, can you beat teams when you're playing heavy zone? Can you beat teams when you're predominantly playing man? Offensively. Can you have the 200-yard rushing performances that we've seen over the past, you know, 10 months from the Colts? And then can you have a game where you throw for 330 and win a football game? Like, those are the types of recipes that you have to have all in your kitchen, per se, because it's going to take that to be one of the best teams in the NFL, win in the playoffs, all of those sorts of things. So I guess when you talk about the offense, Joey, now that is the next question is, we've seen the Colts play to their strength. We've seen them be heavy committed to the run, which they should. You know, Marlon Mack is a great runner. You've drafted four offensive linemen in the top, you know, 40 picks. Like, it, it has been this huge focus. Your offensive line hasn't missed a snap all season. Play to that strength. But I still believe for this offense to truly, truly be one of the elites and for you to feel good about your team winning in late December and in January, you've got to beat teams in multiple ways. I just don't think that this rushing attack is going to carry you to the Super Bowl. I just don't. I think you're going to have to, at times, teams are going to beat you left-handed. Because I think Frank Reich has always said, like, it's easier to stop a team's run game than it is, than it is to stop a team's pass game. Because eventually, what? You can just commit, you know, eight, nine guys. Right, just throw bodies up there. Right. It's like, all right, how many people can we fit into that box? You know, it's like, all right, here comes this safety, here comes that safety. So that is, okay, now you're going to have to win some man coverage, beat press, throw the ball down the field vertically. Um, And I think that's the next question for this team. Like, when you've tried to be vertical this year, you just haven't had a lot of success. And inevitably... I mean, the Colts are the only offensive line in football to have every single guy play every single snap this season. Inevitably, you're going to have an injury or two up front. Does your run game suffer a little bit? Does that put more of an onus on the passing game? Is Marlon Mack healthy for 16 games? These are all fair questions to ask. And that is where I get back to the fact of like, all right, can you pump the ball down the field? And I think that's the biggest question for this offense moving forward. Um, and, and I think it's something that should be there because there should be so much attention towards this run game that your passing game should have favorable op- 
opportunities, whether that's man coverage or just not enough resources committed, you know, to the back end of the defense. And I hear a lot of people talk this week about like, you know, strength versus strength, Colts run game versus the Houston run run defense. That's not totally true. The Texans were great against the run last year. The number one rushing defense in the NFL when you met them in the in the playoffs. And the Colts just took their soul. I mean, broke their will. Yeah. You know, every insert, all of those sorts of phrase there. They just beat them the you-know-what up. And you look at Houston's defensive line this year, similar bodies, no Jadavion Clowney, obviously. Mm-hmm. But they're 20th in yards per carry allowed. They're pretty good in rushing yards per game allowed, but I think that can be a skewed stat because you can get big leads one way or the other. And right. I, I think yards per carry, yards per pass attempt, those are better stats. Yards per carry, they're 20th in the league. So can you run it against them? But then in the back of your mind, you're you're thinking, wait, Jonathan jo- Joseph's banged up with a hamstring injury. Bradley Roby, I was a little surprised to see Roby actually practice yesterday. That'll be an injury to watch this week. He's banged up with a hamstring injury. Do you want to attack those corners, and do you want to, you know, utilize T. Y. Hilton as well because right. he's obviously had such a big presence in the wins over Houston. So um, that's the question I have for this offense moving forward. Joey is just okay. It's not the same exact blueprint you used against Kansas City because Houston is not that bad against the run, but let's not sit here and act like the Texans have been outstanding against the run this season either. You want to do some Twitter questions? Is that all for you for the O? Yeah, I, I think that's all for defense and offense. We'll we'll, we'll touch on um, keys to the game here in a minute, but yeah, let, let's do get into a few Twitter questions. All right, let's start from Gary. He wants to know: Has there been any Devin Funchess sightings? And so Gary sent this in um, earlier this week, but we have a little bit of an update on that. I originally thought Joey that IR to return meant. You could get back after eight weeks missed. It's not eight weeks. It's eight games. Ah, so so bye doesn't count. Correct. Which I guess that makes sense because, you know, depending on where your bye week falls, um, you could maybe kind of skew that a little bit. So basically what it means is this. Devin Funches is eligible to return to practice next week. When he returns to practice, he doesn't have to obviously practice next week. That begins a 21-day window for when he either has to be promoted to the 53-man roster at the end of that 21-day window, or you put him on IR for the rest of the season. The earliest we can see him in a game, one month from today, November 17th against the Jags. I think we've mentioned in the past Miami game, November 10th. Back that up one week. Again, it's eight games, not eight weeks. Asked Frank Reich about Devin Funches yesterday and how he's coming along and if he expects him to practice next week. Um, Frank was pretty noncommittal on him practicing next week, so I won't. You know, Did he take a long pause before he answered it? He and gave the, the he gave the little two or three second pause of like, I'm I, not sure if this question was on the first five of the PR notes I was handed before before the press conference. Oh, I always took that as it's like when your dad, you ask him like multiple times to go to Blockbuster or something, <laughs> and your dad finally is just like, he has to take of like five seconds before he blows up to answer calmly. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I do get that sense from Frank Reich. When you ask him in injury questions, he can get a little bit of fidgety. He always kind of looks down, yeah. clicks himself, 
and then answers. He's like, oh, I'm a former pastor, and here comes a fib. You know, here comes a bit of a lie. Uh, shout out to Chris Fangman. No one loves Blockbuster more than him. Are, are there any Blockbusters still open? I, I think there might be one as kind of like a museum type thing. Yeah. But I used to be go there a lot. Friday nights, I, I'd... Uh, when I was younger, I'd get Wendy's and then I'd rent a um, blockbuster video game. I mean, that's that's the that epitome. Life? That's yes, that's uh, everything you could want. Man, I I have seen a family video. I think there's still family video. Yeah, there are, but it's just it looks around. like the off brand that would be on like a Nickelodeon show. Exactly, that's a great point. Still yeah. not an actual something blockbuster. about blockbuster. You know, I love it. Okay. I, I can picture it right now. It's right next to my orthodontist. <laughs> um. So that's that's the update on Funches. I, it doesn't sound like he will definitely practice next week. Obviously, the Colts have a lot of time before he's eligible to play in a game, but a lot of people have been asking about Funches, so I wanted to give that update on him. All right, Brandon wants to know, with Wright calling the plays and running the offense, what is Sirianni's role with the offense as the coordinator? It's a good question. I, I feel like there is a lot of unknown to this, but basically I think that there's a lot of vetting that goes back and forth between Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni. Like, I love the story that Frank Reich tells. God, look at that guy walking on the roof over there. Can you see that all the way down there? Whoa. Man, I'm so scared of heights. That... Yeah, I got vertigo. Do you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you do. I, that, that, that shit freaks me out. Yep. Man. Um, all right, let's get back on track. I've got a little off track here the last two minutes. That's all right. That's um, all right. Okay, so Reich calling the plays. You know, or uh, Sirianni's role. I always remember when Frank Reich tells a story about he wanted to hire Nick Sirianni as, as his offensive coordinator. And he would tell his wife, you know, if I ever got a head coaching job, Nick Sirianni's who who I'm going to hire. So I guess that should be a little bit of intel of like, Frank Reich trusts Nick Sirianni a whole lot and loves his opinion. I think they have a good back and forth of Nick Sirianni's a little bit more emotional. Frank Reich's a little bit more chill. And I think that's a good dynamic to have. Um, I think Nick Sirianni's heavily, heavily involved in the game plan. And I, I think if you watch him on at practice, Joey, and you've been out there at training camp practices, Frank Wright calls the plays, but if there's a correction needed to be made, it's a vocal Nick Sirianni. Yeah. I mean, he's probably, I'd say of him, Eberflus, and Reich, he's probably the most vocal mm-hmm. on the practice field. Oh, yeah. So um, I, I think that's kind of his main role. You know, I've asked Frank Reich before, have you ever thought about, you know, having Nick Sirianni call plays in the preseason? You know, I think that's something that I think Sean McVay, you know, I'll bow down to Sean McVay. I think that's something that he does. You know, let's get your young offensive coaches uh, to to call plays during the preseason. Reich, I, I don't think, wants to go there with Sirianni. I think it's kind of a no-win situation of like, oh, yeah, hey, man, go call plays with Philip Walker, quarterback. Like. Good luck. Right. Uh, speaking of Philip, you see he got picked up? I did, yeah. No more of those practice squad transaction emails three times a week. No more. Yeah, I thought Jim Aiello from the Indy Star had a good tweet of like, headline, former Colts quarterback joins Houston XFL team. <laughs> that's classic. Uh, not Andrew Luck, obviously Philip Walker. But, yeah, that, that's kind of what Sirianni does. You know, I think it's a lot of Monday through Saturday stuff. He's on the sidelines during, um, you know, during games. So, I think uh, he is a – Someone that Frank Reich loves to bounce things off of. From Philip, what should we expect from the two new defensive tackles the Colts have signed? Any playing time this Sunday against Houston? It's a good question, Philip. I wouldn't expect a whole lot. Um, you know, Carl Davis just got signed this week. Trey Trayvon Coley, I believe is his name, was signed a few weeks ago. He didn't play in the Kansas City game. 
uh, which is rare to see a, any defensive player really dress for a game but not get a single snap, special teams or defensively. You know, I would assume it's still Grover Stewart and Danico Autry in that starting lineup. And then, you know, Tyquan Lewis, we talked about him a lot on Tuesday's podcast. He didn't practice on Wednesday. So then your backups are Margus Hunt. Um, and then I guess Davis or Coley. I, I would figure maybe one of them is an active. Maybe they both are active, though. Um, so I could see one of them playing 10 or 15 snaps, but I wouldn't expect a huge role from either this week. Now, ha- having said that, Houston's a top 10 rushing offense. So let's keep that in mind. And clearly, the Colts want to get bigger on their defensive line. So uh, that'll be something to watch moving forward. From Stan, contract year free agency predictions, most specifically with Doyle, Ebron, and Costanzo. I'm currently at keep, walk, and keep myself up at night debating. Glad to be back in the mailbag. Keep it up. Sir boy Stan Cal, Joey. Nice. And you know what? I, I'm a little confused by his question here. Okay, so he see, and again, for those that miss Monday's po- or Tuesday's podcast, we hit the free agency uh, topic pretty hard. You know, kind of our bye week special that we always do. Mm-hmm. So he says, keep Jack Doyle. Yes. Okay, that makes sense. He says, walk on Eric Ebron. Okay, makes sense. Costanzo, he says, keep myself up at night debating. Right. I wish he would have expanded on that. To me, there, 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 there's no debate on Anthony Costanzo. The only debate is, you know. Franchise tag, two-year deal, four-year deal. Like, Anthony Costanzo's got to be your left tackle next year. Like, right. I, I, Maybe it's just the age thing that he thinks he's going to fall off a cliff that kind of keeps him up. You know, I know we've talked about it on prior shows, and, and I think there's more to just Anthony Costanzo, like, because he's always been a guy to me. I, I, I've kind of felt like in the back of my head, like, is he going to play a solid, like, eight years? And then be like, hey, I got a Boston College education. Like, I want to go do something else. You know, he, he strikes me as a guy that is extremely intelligent, has a lot of interest off the field. Heard this one before somewhere. Well, yeah, and I don't want to, like, go totally there because, <laughs> you know, I, I think it'd be unfair to Anthony Casanzo because I, I, I do think he's going to keep on playing. Like, yeah. I, I don't think he's going to go down that route. But it's just always something I, I've, I've thought about when you see more guys, you know, decide to retire at younger ages. And I know I've mentioned before with Anthony Costanzo that he's changed so much of his preparation from a off-season workload standpoint and how he handles, you know, training and lifting and stretching and all those things. He's mentioned how his diet has totally changed. This is the first time he said in his NFL career he's actually counting every single calorie that goes into his body, which is pretty impressive to me that like okay now he's reached this age of 30 he realizes he can't get away with just being young and you know whatever he's got to start doing other things and he reiterates that he feels so good about his body and my thing with Anthony Costanzo is like you know you can let Jabal Sheard walk Joey and you feel like there are a couple other defensive ends that yes they'd have to step up big time but at least you have them on the roster same thing with letting Eric Ebron walk Okay, Jack Doyle, Mo Alley-Cox, more fall on your shoulders. Um, trying to think of the other free agents that you have. Clayton Gathers. You know, obviously you have Kari Willis waiting in the in the wings there. Who the bleep do you have behind Anthony Costanzo? I mean, bring back Grigson, throw him down there. I don't know. I, I mean. Oh, boy. Um, I mean, honestly. Raven Clark, Joe Haig, those guys are even free agents this year. 
They're they're, they're also in contract years. Like to me, it's a no brainer. So I'm staying. Expand on that, which I know you will. Because usually I feel like you have good debates, but this one I just I can't disagree with anymore. Yeah. Do you I'm want a rookie saying. starting at left tackle? Yeah. Do you want to let Costanza walk and then go pay a left tackle money that like you probably would have given Anthony Costanza? Because we talk about in our whole draft prep the past two years, you know, left tackle is one of those positions like a pass rusher, like a like a quarterback. That's like unless you're picking really high, you're not going to get a guy that's going to a be ready to make an impact right away and b probably have a good chance to be a, a, you know have a long successful career exactly and and my thinking with this is okay if you're not sold on giving Costanza the long-term deal franchise tag him draft a tackle in the first 3 rounds groom but to me I see at least 3 or 4 more years of good football inside of Anthony Costanza and and you know what front load the contract and yep. and still do I I still think you need to draft a tackle early mm-hmm. this year even if you bring even if you give Costanzo a five year deal I I just think it's something that you need to do you need to groom because the knocking on wood right there is your offensive line hasn't missed a snap this season you know what happens when a Titus Howard injury like Houston just had last week what what happens if that you know happens to Braden Smith yep for sure yep Jacoby's definitely. Probably thinking the same there. Yeah. Along the lines with you for Anthony Costanzo. All right. This is from Michael. Would you stick with Odom and Willis as your two starting safeties once Hooker and Gellers are back? To me, you can't keep either one of those guys off the field, but Malik is super valuable, and Gellers is clearly a massive leader for this team. It's a good problem to have, he says. Well, it's a good problem to have, Michael, but I couldn't disagree more with, with the question. Would you stick with Odom and Willis as your two starting safeties once Hooker and Gellers are back? <laughs> Malik Hooker on the bench. Yeah, it's tough. Um, I don't know, Michael. You sure about that, man? Like, you know, I'm seeing the same kind of thing in uh, in in Pittsburgh, right? People are very big victims of the moment a lot of times in the NFL. You know, we yeah. go week by week. Uh-huh. So Agreed. when everybody's pulling for Duck Hodges to be the starter, it's like, okay, yeah. let's all just calm down. You know, take mm-hmm. a breath. I'm not comparing Malik Hooker to Mason Rudolph, but I, I'm saying the situation no, I, I is fair, yeah. you know, situation is the same in terms of, all right, yes, Odom did some good things against Kansas City for sure. A- applaud. Admirable. Could not agree more. More than. Yeah. But, guys, come on. He's a special team player and a quality backup. That, 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 that's what he is. Um, Malik Hooker is a 15th overall pick. Philip Rivers is saying, I didn't think Malik Hooker could get to that ball. I I knew where he was. I didn't think he'd get there. Yeah. He's not saying that about George Odom. Again, George Odom, like you said, Joey, I thought deserved a game ball from that Kansas City game. But you have Malik Hooker for a reason. And you can talk about him being injury prone. When he's healthy, put him out there. Okay, when he's injured, that's when Odom and obviously Willis come into play. So we can debate Willis and Gathers. And I think that is a debate, and we might not get to it this week. We'll see where Hooker is injury-wise. The plan is for him to practice today. Um, I, I still think it's a very coin flip sort of situation. But if all four of your safeties are healthy, I think it's start Hooker. I'd probably start Willis. And then I think you could find some sub packages, potentially for Gathers and even Odom. Last one here from Scotty. Knowing that Houston's run D is better than their pass defense, what do you think our pass run percentages will be? Who do you think will get the most targets not named T.Y.? Thanks in advance, a loyal listener? 
They put a question there. So I just Scott. thought that was funny. Yeah, I I, I think Scotty is a very, very <laughs> yeah. loyal listener. Thank you for the question there, Scotty. Um, Frank Reich mentioned that earlier in the week. I want to say like they're at 48% run pass, um, which is very high. Let me see if I can find that. Um, yeah, 48%. Here was the right quote. He didn't basically he didn't have a number in mind when he had this big run game emphasis. You know, you always hear 60-40, 60 pass, 40% run. Right. I didn't have a number in mind, but it probably wasn't 48%. Usually you think 60-40-ish, but somewhere between 40 to 45% would probably be acceptable to get where we want to get. It's been a little bit higher than anticipated. So specifically, I guess Scotty's asking about the Houston game. Um their run D is better than their pass D. It is, but, like, again, let's factor in some of the corner injuries that Houston currently has right now, um, which I think even adds to the emphasis of wanting to make sure that you can find some plays vertically. Houston's run defense right now. Pull this up. I think I mentioned earlier they were 20th in yards per carry allowed. They are 12th in passing yards per play allowed. So if you go off those two stats, you know, they are better against the pass than they are against the run, which, again, is a little bit different than how you would probably think Mm. of Houston. Now, passing yards per game, they're 24th. Rushing yards per game, they're 8th. So clearly teams are trying to throw the football a little bit more against them. Um so, yeah, I, I I think that it obviously will be a much closer split than you had in the Kansas City game. Um, but I'll probably go with, like, I don't know, 58%, 42% for this game. Okay. That's my guess. All right, man, that's it for Twitter questions. First place on the line on Sunday, 1 o'clock, keys to the game. How do the Colts come out 4-2 and two and on top of the division? When's the last time the Colts have been first place in the AFC South? Definitely wasn't 2017. Wasn't last year. 2016 was Houston. Uh, oh, man. 2014? Unless 2016, yeah, they had. They, they had to have been one time in 2015 or 2016. Because they were 8-8 eight eight both those years. You'd think at some point. And I think 2016, they had a chance to lock it up. And then Houston came in here, right? That was the clowny Brock strip Osweiler. sack on the Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was a huge play. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna look that up um, after the podcast because okay. that'll take me quite a while. But yeah, I mean this, yeah. big man, big man. Keys to the game though. Yeah, first key keep Watson in the pocket. You know, it's so much easier said than done. Um, but when you do play, if you do play man coverage and he escapes, now it's Darius Leonard or bust almost. Because if Leonard's your spy, all your other corners have got their heads you know turned. And their backs turned to Deshaun Watson. So I think you have to keep him in the pocket and know in the important downs, he's going to want to run it. Third down, goal line, those th- sorts of things. I mean, he's got a pretty high number of rushing touchdowns this season. We saw him, I mean, we saw him in that Saints game. Dude just gives up his body. Yeah. I love how he plays. No regard for his body. Um, key number two, attack their injured position groups. Um, on the Fan Morning Show earlier today, the Texans version of Mike Wells was on air. 
and she mentioned that she doesn't think Bradley Roby will play. Um, and she really isn't confident that Jonathan Joseph plays either. So, Yikes. again, those are two injuries we'll have to watch as the week moves along. But attack their injured position groups. Attack corner where it's weak, and then attack right tackle. We talked on Tuesday's podcast, the Colts have had a field day against teams this season that have been missing their offensive tackles. 12 of their 13 sacks have come in the three games that those other teams, whether it was Russell Okung or Taylor Lewan or Eric Fisher, those teams are all missing their left tackle those three games. Now it's a right tackle in Titus Howard. Um, so I think that's where you have to attack them. And then lastly, I say Hilton drawing attention. We know T.Y. Hilton has had a field day against the Texans. And if they're banged up in the secondary, even more attention has got with multiple bodies, I think has to go his way. So play off that. Either Hilton produces for you or that opens up other guys. I think we got a question earlier of who do I think will be the most targeted guy not named T.Y. I don't know. Maybe I'm just holding out hope, but you'd like to see Deion Kane, you know, have a big game if again they are committing multiple resources to trying to take away. T.Y. Hilton, I I don't know if I mentioned this on Monday's pod, but I'll mention it here. It's interesting the split in his away games versus home games against Houston. He's obviously torched them, but in the 15 games he's played, eight have been away. He's had 1,000 yards in those eight games, which is just amazing. Mm -hmm. 22 yards per catch, seven touchdowns. In the seven home games, so just one game less, he has about half of that. Yardage total, 512, 14 yards per reception, and only two touchdowns. Kind of an oddity that at home it's right. been far less production than on the road against the Texans. So, um, yeah, those are my uh, three keys to the game, man. And now we want to know what you think's going to happen at Lucas Oil Stadium. What's the prediction? I think this is the biggest coin flip game on the schedule all year long. I do. Uh, I know Vegas has said Colts favored by one, so clearly they look at it as a coin flip game, and they actually think the Texans are the better team, you know, quote-unquote, if you put them on a neutral field. I'm going to take the Colts 30-27, and I think the reason why is just the weaknesses that Houston has and the injuries they have at corner and at right tackle. I think the Colts can take advantage of that, and I think the Texans might have a little bit of a letdown after that Chiefs game. You know, I I do think it's beneficial. The Colts had a bye, can kind of calm down. Not a lot of people are talking about them as much as they talked about them right after the Chiefs game, whereas Houston's kind of on that emotional high. And I think playing at home, you should feed off that home crowd, and the home crowd should be outstanding. I mean, it, this, it's, you know, one of the bigger home games that this while. team has had in a while. So um, I'll go with Colts 30-27, but again, I fully expect that to come down to the last possession and be an outstanding game. I'm going Colts 27, Texans 21. Okay. Similar thinking, close. Right. And, I mean, Houston coming off that huge one, like you said, but then even before that, they put up 50 at home. Then they they beat L.A. on the road. And I know, you know, at the time it looked a lot better than what it does now, but still I I just feel like coming off the bye, the Colts have had that week to get healthy, to get focused, prepare. They know what's at stake probably remember last year that fourth you know that fourth down call at home um so i just feel like a lot's going in the colts favor and and i like them to to win pull for away. sure yeah and you know houston should have some motivation too this is the team that ended your season last year true 
Um, they beat you twice late in the year. And I know the Fair. December meeting didn't mean as much to them, but the January meeting certainly did. So can't wait for Sunday at 1 o'clock. It will be Greg Gumbel and Trent Green on the call for CBS. What do you think about that? Do you – I mean, I don't know if you're allowed to say, but are yeah, you sure, Gumbel, well. Green guys? No, I don't like them. Um, it just – they don't seem like big game guys. No. Uh, I'd rather have kind of Kevin Harlan – Oh, yeah. Give me Carlin, like his give me energy. Iron Eagle. Yeah, Iron Eagle as well. Um, Nance and Romo, I think, are doing Raiders-Packers. That makes sense. But if you look at the slate, CBS slate, this is the second best game. Um, I don't know. I just, you know, is Trent Green going to, is he going to pontificate about Andrew Luck again, about how Colts fans shouldn't boo and boo, 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 boo. Right, and, you know, they're just, it's very, like, public library type you yeah know what i mean like really you're not getting excited yeah. listening to greg gumbel no trent green's an iu grad i don't know if that matters but I'm sure it'll be brought up at some point right you know gumbel familiar with i just dude he's just ah i don't i'm not a gumbel or green guy hey real quick kevin uh just yeah. um i sent over to you yesterday but uh, uh thanks to all the listeners um, from over the summer for now because we, we took a look at the numbers like we usually do every month i was falling a little bit behind and looked at them, and and you know our our listener listenership, our downloads, our 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 subscribers are up thirty five percent from September. You know, so it just keeps keeps yeah. growing. So thanks thanks to the listeners. I'm shocked when you send me those emails once a month. It, it blows me away. And so thank you. Um, in all seriousness, we know there's a lot of people you can listen to out there. There's not a lot of time during the week, and the fact that you routinely listen twice a week to us means a lot. We try to keep it interactive. We try to answer a lot of fan questions. I think that's something that separates us from other podcasts, and it's something we will continue to do moving forward. And thank you to our YouTube crowd. I know at times we like to make yep. fun of you know some of the comments that we get out there, but it's a passionate base out there, and so we appreciate that as well. Joey, you have a great weekend. Your you Steelers too, got They're on a bye, bye. Yep. and then Rudolph maybe coming back from the bye week. It Just got cleared like. yesterday. So. so the Colts will see the Steelers here in a couple weeks. Um, everybody have a great weekend. He's Joey Molinaro. I'm Kevin Bowen. We'll be back on Monday morning recapping Colts and Texans in week seven. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.